helping you take control of your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. This is the KCLR Power Hour with Natalie Lennon. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. You are listening to The Power Hour on Casey Law. This is Natalie Lennon with you until 7pm, chatting through all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and well-being with you. It is officially summer. May is here, and I'm so excited for all the long summer evenings ahead. I hope that you are too. A reminder of what exactly The Power Hour here on Casey Law is all about, and that is giving you the tools and inspiration to take control of your health inside and out. It is about giving you the power to maximize the quality of your life and making this world of wellness just a little bit less daunting. This week's show is shaping up to quite possibly be one of my favorite yet. Do not go anywhere. If you want to get in touch with any questions or thoughts during the show, I would love nothing more than to hear from you. Please do drop me a message on our dinnersready.ie text line 083 306 9696. You you can WhatsApp us here too, or of course reach out to me on my Instagram at Natalie Lennon underscore. I'm always happy to help if I can. So coming up on this week's Power Hour, it is our nutritional and dietary special. This is definitely going to be one of our best shows yet, guys. We are joined by a nutritional therapist to answer all of your questions. So do get in any dietary related questions that you have. I'll be doing my usual Power Hour Q&A where we will talk about when your watch maybe isn't showing you how physically hard you feel you are pushing. When the heart rate isn't showing but you are literally on the floor, unable to breathe, what is the issue, what's going wrong? We will be talking about things like foods to heal an injury, foods for fertility, dealing with PMS, migraines, whether you should choose low or high fat foods. It's going to be very informative and of course we will have our fitness funny and myth bust and cheer challenge for you but don't go anywhere we just have a quick ad break first. Hello and welcome back. So this week on our Q&A, I got a question in from a lady on Instagram. Um, After last week's show, we were talking a lot about high intensity training and heart rate. And she said at the end of her workout, she feels exhausted as if she's pushing herself to her limits. But her smartwatch shows a low heart rate reading and she wanted to know what she was doing wrong. And I thought that this was a really good question because... Everyone wears a smartwatch nowadays and a lot of us are really intent on looking at the heart rate or the caloric burn when we're training. And I think it's really important that we all keep our wits about us in a sense in a sense when it comes to HR trackers. Don't necessarily bank on them. When I say HR guys, what I'm referring to there is heart rate, by the way. So Listen, you know your body better than anyone else and especially better than some technology. Whilst they can be extremely useful to help motivate us or show general trends in heart rate or sleep or activity, they may not always be accurate. So know that you might not be the problem. First off, do make sure it is secured tight enough on your wrist or on the right area or chase up with a production company to to maybe troubleshoot it or send it away for repair. But beyond this... And this is my own personal experience because I love my wristwatch. I wear Polar 24-7. But I have found, and even from my experience when I used to be a personal trainer, that often just for some, wrist-based HR heart rate technology can work seamlessly. And for others, it just doesn't. And whether this is down to maybe a slightly weaker pulse at our wrist or just the shape of our wrist perhaps causing it to sit differently, 
like your arm compared to someone else, it just isn't always accurate. So how you can get around this? Well, number one, if heart rate data really is a priority to you, you can get a chest strap. So this goes around your chest. You can secure it underneath maybe your sports bra or for males, you can generally get enough. And this can often connect your phone to an app and you can be sure that that will give you the accurate heart rate reading if that is really important to you. There is really no comparison to a chest strap. Some some companies will sell both together. So I would recommend the Polar H10 strap if you're looking to get one. But just my final word on this is if you really want to get the most out of accurate HR data and caloric burn readings from your workouts, invest in a HR monitor for your chest, but don't forget you are human and you know how hard you are pushing better than any technological device can ever tell you it becomes very easy nowadays to become obsessed with our fitness trackers and I've been so that way myself in the past and I often recommend to my clients taking regular breaks from your watch if you feel you're feeling any anxiety without it there so I took six months off once and I would highly recommend it if you feel you are addicted so please don't lose sight of your intuitive connection with your body everyone always listen to the signals that it gives you it being your body and not just your smartwatch okay now what i'm most excited for on this week's show i have a very very special guest in studio she is a registered nutritional therapist from bioga nutrition right here in kilkenny city we have linda murray in studio how are you linda i'm great thanks natalie thanks for having me here i'm absolutely thrilled to have you on board so some of the listeners might know i'm a nutritional health coach but you are a nutritional therapist the next major step up can you tell us a little bit i suppose about that title and maybe how it differs from dietetics yeah um so in nutritional therapy i suppose what we study is nutrition and lifestyle so the coaching is part of it but it it goes a little bit further in that we do clinical training we work with you know we get trained up on supplements and nutrients we work with um if people are on medication we'd be looking at the interactions around that but essentially i suppose if you take a step back what we're trying to do is we're trying to find if somebody comes into me with a health issue or a goal my job is to look at you and figure out what the root cause of your health concern is and then using diet and lifestyle so that means sleep movement relaxation stress management all of them are important and we come up with a plan to try and help that person to achieve their goals because if 10 people come into me with ibs there's potentially 10 different reasons why they have it it's not going to be the same it's thing it's not the same for everyone and Absolutely i think not. that's what maybe people don't realize is when they get a diagnosis they need individual attention because it's so yeah. different for everyone so when it comes to i suppose the whole host of services that you have available in bioga nutrition which you run alongside jenny white i believe am that's I right? right yeah jenny's my business partner i love that so do you see more clients come to you for help dealing with diagnosis such as say you mentioned ibs or celiac disease or would it be more so people just looking as to how they can actually create a balanced diet? More people will come with something. Okay, um, very few people come or they'll say to me, I, I want, you know, they don't know why exactly they're not feeling great. But often, Natalie, what's interesting is somebody might come into me, say, and they want to lose weight. But then when we start talking, it might realize they've really bad PMS or they're struggling with migraines or they're struggling with, you know, IBS as well. Or, yeah. you know, whether it's not even IBS, but maybe in their mind, 
just constipation, oh, that's normal, I've always had it. All of those little symptoms are the things that we can help people to feel better with. We do get a lot of people, you know, I would get people coming into me that have been diagnosed with celiac disease or diverticulitis mm-hmm. or, you know, PCOS or endometriosis. But in all those situations, we're still trying to help to improve their diet overall to help them to feel better within that diagnosis to be able to eat properly and a wide variety of food say within it. I'm sure you get a lot of people in that just don't realise how important all of the pieces of the jigsaw are in bringing it together like you mentioned you know sleep exercise diet work social relationships all of that is so important. all connected up and I suppose that's you know I, I really liked your intro because I love the fact that people feel that they can they've regained some power in their own lives that it's not they're not defined by their diagnosis anymore that there's a lot they can do yeah and you know i know some people think oh my god she's a nutritionist she's going to take everything away from me but we're actually focused most of the time on trying to see what gaps are in the diet and trying to get the food in it yeah rather than taking stuff out you know absolutely like our our diet should give to our life rather than take from it so a quick question for you before i dive into all of the nutritional questions that i have for you today did you you probably do know and i only found out recently that may 6th is international no diet day so this is a day dedicated to promoting a healthy lifestyle with a focus on health at any size and raising awareness about the potential dangers of dieting now, I think, and I'm sure you agree, dieting has become a pandemic in itself over yeah. the last few decades. Do you see many people coming to you as, like in quotations, failed fad dieters? Yeah. Yeah. Most most people will have gone through a diet at some point. Um, and, it, you know, I suppose primarily it's women. Men tend to go on a diet for, a, a, you know, something. If they're trying to gain weight or lose weight or get fit or something, they tend to do it and that's it Mm -hmm. women tend to fall in and out a bit more and I suppose we need to be realistic with ourselves women have to deal with a lot more from a hormone perspective so that will have a lot to do with it but when somebody comes into me and they say oh I've done all of the diets chances are they're all restrictive diets of one form or another. They're either counting calories or yes. they're counting I macros. Love, I love jump in and say that I love that you said counting calories is a diet because oh. often people think it's not and it's a form of health. It's a healthy behavior. But I can tell you with my own experience that I've spoken about here before and an addiction that I had to it. It's not always a healthy behavior. Yeah, it's 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 anywhere where you're limiting yourself based on a number can be. And I mean, it doesn't affect everybody naturally, but. You know, even if it's somebody saying to me, oh, I'm on a ketogenic diet and they're counting their macros, it becomes very obsessive. And I really don't like that, especially with young girls. It can become a problem quite quickly. So I'm there. Yeah, you're you're speaking to it. Yeah. And it's (laughs) it's it's unfortunately it's not uncommon. So Mm. I always try and recommend people to try and, you know, take a step back from the nuts and bolts and just get a holistic view of and that sounds very airy fairy but to actually but just think about real food and yeah. think about feeling better and see what the measures of sex success need to be that aren't just stepping on the scales. Yeah. You know? I always say think about whatever your goal is make sure health gain is the primary one. Absolutely. You know maybe weight loss is a secondary or tertiary goal but let's leave them a secondary or tertiary until yeah. we have health gain as the primary goal. Absolutely. Okay so diving into all these questions <laughs> I, wa- I want to sit with you for three hours already I know it. How do I I know if I am intolerant to a certain food. I think I could be to dairy, but I'm unsure. This is the question that I got in. 
so there's a, it depends. I, I'm going to say this a lot. Sorry, now yeah. I'm really annoying. Oh, I know. Right? It's all individual dependent. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> so if that person thinks that they're intolerant to dairy, they very possibly get some symptoms. So whether they get a rash or whether they get digestive issues, often people will have a symptom and some people will get it quite quickly. Some people, it will happen over a period of time. Some people will ask me about doing intolerance tests. Yeah. We tend to not do them if we can avoid them. I mean, I can arrange them and you know they can be helpful but they tend to be expensive and I'd almost tell you by having a conversation with you whether it's a whether problem or not. Would you say the intolerance tests are accurate Linda? Not really. Good no. to know. Okay. And not really. If somebody has multiple food intolerances it the chances are it's a, an imbalance in their digestive system rather than all the foods being a problem. Um, and that's a condition that we refer to as SIBO, small intestinal bacterial yes. overgrowth and you can test for that. Um, and if you test for that, then you work on resolving that issue. And then ideally your food intolerances they kind of die down a bit. So that's definitely something you can test for. But like I had a, a teenage girl in with me recently. They had done an intolerance test before they came into me and the poor child could eat nothing. And we yeah. kind, I kind of had to say to them, look, can we just ignore this and work on what she needs to get into mm-hmm. her and let's get that in and if something doesn't suit her and she feels unwell after having it fair enough absolutely don't be eating something that doesn't suit you love that but again it's back to that just message that we continue putting out there which is listen to your own body yeah. rather than I'm not saying all these tests are going to be incorrect but they're not always accurate and especially as a teenage girl if you're told okay you can't have X, Y, Z. Like I've had so many people come to me and they're like no I actually can't have wheat or dairy yeah. or gluten I'm no. like who said and they're like well I, I hate using the word quack but you know like this yeah. person that I went to that like swung a stone over my body yeah. and, told, and I'm like well wh- how do you feel when you have them maybe it's not that like you said it could be something so much deeper Yeah. So and, and the other thing is sometimes people do need to take these foods out of their diet and I mean to, to finish that question I yeah, suppose yeah. about that lady with the dairy or that person with the dairy Yeah. if they find or they think dairy doesn't suit them I would recommend take it out of their diet completely now the div- disadvantage I suppose is you need to look at the back of every packet and make sure all of the dairy is gone but take it out for a couple of weeks and then reintroduce it and see how you feel and yeah. if you don't feel well you know it's a problem and if you feel okay then that's not then the you problem. know that's not your issue but it's not something else. to do long term without making sure that if you're taking it out that you're bridging the gap in your diet with other foods yeah so and other nutrients because obviously you'd say that's calcium gone so you need to think about calcium fortified foods perhaps yeah, well. yeah. or even a probiotic or you know yeah. there's lots of and it can be a main dairies are a protein source for some people so exactly. it's just to look elimination diets are useful for a period of time and if something definitely is a problem great take it out but make sure the gap is bridged and if it's not a problem Maybe you don't, you know, yeah, drink milk by good. the bucket, but yeah, yeah. you can consume it in small doses. Brilliant. Okay. Um, quick question for you, and I might round this up kind of quickly because I think you'll yeah. be able to name out a few foods. Um, one lady has a stress fracture. She's in a boot with crutches. Should she be um, eating certain foods to help the healing process? Um, with healing, you always need to think about protein. And then you have to look at your micronutrients, your vitamins and minerals, the small stuff. They're the really important ones to help your body heal yeah another really important thing it's not a food but sleep rest and sleep are absolutely okay best supplement in the world lots of protein injury lots of sleep and then i guess a really really colorful diet because that's where you're getting your micronutrients all your all your fruits and vegetables anything that has a color um but if they're physio if they're working with a physiotherapy to get back as recommended by the physio as quickly as they can because some people have an injury and they tend to 
take longer to get back and think there's nothing they can do and they need to start moving it when they're recommended by their physiotherapist okay, to do that. brilliant. Linda, we are not saying goodbye to you just yet. We're just going to take a quick break and then we're back to you with more questions. Wednesdays from 6pm, the KCL or Power Hour with Natalie Lennon. Hello everybody and welcome back. So you are listening to our nutritional and dietary special. I am here with Linda from Bioga Nutrition in Kilkenny and she is answering all of our nutrition and dietary questions. So do make sure and get them into us. You can text us on 083-306-9696. Now my next question, Linda, that got sent in to us was what your opinion is on meat alternatives, such as meat alternative sausages. You know, Denny have some, Linda McCartney I think has some as yeah. well. They are becoming really popular yeah. amidst vegans and non-vegans because yeah. People just think, oh, look, it says vegan. It's healthier. What's your opinion? My opinion is our number one recommendation is eat real food, right? So regardless of what your dietary preferences are, so whether you're a meat eater or you're vegan, I would always prefer people to eat real food. Now, what I mean by that is if you're not eating meat, to eat things, get your protein from beans, lentils, chickpeas, like fermented versions of soy, like uh, tempeh or tofu. They're all great real food. Any sausage, whether it's vegan or not, any sausage roll, whether it's vegan or not, is not going to be as nutritionally dense. The risk with a lot of vegan products, and I did quickly look up the Denny's one, the protein content, like if you're having a sausage, the protein content will be, it'll vary hugely, obviously, right? Yes, yeah. But a good quality sausage will have a relatively okay uh, quantity of protein. A vegan version may or may not, and that one doesn't. So something like that included in your diet occasionally is fine. I wouldn't be necessarily going for something labelled vegan because I think it's healthier. The healthiest part of a vegan diet are all the plants that are included naturally. They cost less, they're more nutritious. It does take a little bit of time and effort to put them into some form of a meal. But processed food by its nature is processed, whether it's vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free or contains meat. So just keep it limited in the diet. That would be my... Advice, yeah, yeah, and I would stand by that too. Thank you, Linda. My next question for you. So we got one in saying I started suffering from acne again in my mid-twenties and I relate to this myself. Could this be dietary related? Nothing has changed in my life. Could I have developed tolerances at a later stage? Yes, yes, and all of the above, yes. So (laughs) with acne, acne can be... Look, so when it comes to skin, I would always look at gut health. So if there's some imbalance in your digestive system, that can definitely lead to acne. But with women, unfortunately, it can also be hormonal. Yeah. And every month over the course of your cycle... um, it can vary. So people, women will notice it with their skin, they'll notice it with their digestive system. Some women will notice before their periods they may get more constipated or much looser stools and that alone can contribute to, to acne. Then your diet definitely can, can um, have an impact. So if, back to the intolerances, if you're yeah. including a lot of something that, that doesn't suit you, like milk when it comes to acne, that can be problematic too and can maybe you, it's just a bit more. Sorry to cut over you, but mm-hmm. can you develop an intolerance randomly at any stage in your life? So when I mentioned that condition, SIBO, yes, you can, right? Um, but it depends on whether it's an intolerance or if it's just almost over, you've just taken in too much. So I yes, wouldn't okay. say you're necessarily going to have you're not going to wake up someday and be allergic to milk. And there's a difference between allergic to something and being intolerant to it. And also, and this varies hugely from people, and I always try and explain this, you may be somebody who can tolerate a small amount of something and just if you have too much. Like when I go on holidays, for example, if I have ice cream every night, 
I will absolutely be hardly able to talk with mucus and a, a you know a clogged up head. Yeah. But I, I'm not dairy free. But if I had a cold, I wouldn't have any dairy while I have a cold because I know my limits. Your mucus build up, but yeah. and I know that will have an effect on me. With other people, once they take dairy out, they just can't go back. And with other people, say it, it wouldn't be a problem. And I think, you know, yeah, that's a really good point to make. That if someone is doing an elimination diet of some kind for yeah. say, three to four weeks and if that is dairy to bring it back in slowly because you may find out the level you can tolerate and the level you yeah. can't because there's a perfect example of what yeah, you can exactly. tolerate yeah, yeah. Okay, but brilliant. it definitely can have an effect on your skin yeah but I would anything to do with acne I'd be looking at digestive systems your gut health and I'd be looking at hormones also okay I love that. Um, I really don't want to let you go. I'm already like, can we turn back the clock, please? And um, this question, I know I'm going to love your answer already, Linda. Um, <laughs> should I be looking for low-fat foods or should I be eating high-fat foods? I'm so confused by all the messaging. Um, so that was the question. And I know myself, I think I've touched on this a while ago with, you know, like the traffic light system yeah. where you could buy a sandwich that has avocado as the fat. Yeah. And all of a sudden, this traffic light system has yeah. the fats in red. Yeah. But that is such a healthy fat. And you yeah. think, oh no red danger stay away so I should someone be looking for a low fat or high fat food um, so fat is not a bad thing every single cell in your body is made from fat every hormone in your body is made from fat and 60% of your brain is made from fat so fat is essential more so than probably other macronutrients right so fat is a really good thing low fat foods tend to be so Back in the day when fat was demonized, it was taken out for food, but they then, because it, you know, I'm back to real food versus packaged food, right? If you take fat out for food, you take away all the really nice yummy flavor and you take away satiety. So you don't get as satisfied after, like if you're having a yogurt, for example, and it's a full fat yogurt versus a low fat yogurt, you are not going to be as satisfied after a low fat yogurt. And possibly if you turn it over and look at the back, the list of ingredients on your low fat product will probably be way longer because they need to add flavour, they need to add texture and all those extra bits they're adding in, they're not adding them in for your health, they're adding them in so that it'll taste nicer and you'll eat more. So it's not... And you'll continue to buy the product and yeah. at the same time, if you had the full fat yoghurt, you'll be satiated for longer. You buy the low fat yoghurt, potentially higher in sugar and additives Yeah. and half an hour later you're hungry again. Yes. It doesn't fill you for it. Exactly. But go for real fat. So good fats oily fish, nuts, seeds, avocado, olive oil, can't go wrong. Butter, coconut oil, can't go wrong. You know, just watch your quantities. The bad fats, I suppose, that people want to limit Mm -hmm. are the things that you find like big bags of crisps, biscuits, chocolate. If something has a shelf life of six months and it normally goes off, if you made it yourself after a couple of days, chances are, uh, chances are um, the fat in it is processed fat processed. and then it's damaged and that's potentially inflammatory for your body. Yeah, we've we've talked a lot about different fats and, you know, good and bad fats, omega-3s and 6s and 9s yeah. here, but I just I think it's a topic that you can't emphasize enough because of this message that started years ago yeah. saying that we should be going for a high-carb, low-fat yeah. diet, when yeah. now it's starting to come out that it could be the other way around. And, and a lot of people, in fairness, try a ketogenic diet, which in theory, if you're doing a ketogenic diet, you should be consuming 70% of your calories from fats, and then they can't handle it yeah. emotionally or, you know, physically, they just can't. And then they think they, they're completely confused about whether they should be doing it or not. Yeah. So including real fats in your diet is a really good thing. Uh, watch the processed fats um, and yet yeah, the message is out there. And like if you're experiencing 
any kind of symptoms of fatty acid deficiency. So if you've dry skin, if your hair is dry, if you've any hormonal symptoms, if yeah. you know if your energy is low, if you're hungry all the time, you might need to consider looking at it. You and literally if you named every symptom that I had say two <laughs> years ago, and recently now I'm on a much higher fat diet, and it's crazy. You can probably see it sitting here. Like I'm getting all these new little baby hairs. Mm. Now I had damaged hair as well from colour, but I have like baby hairs coming out of yeah. nowhere, and I think that's because my diet is yeah. much higher in fat than it used to be. It's, that it's really yeah. happening, and it's and people. Are satisfied you enjoy your food that's it so I much to enjoy so much tastier <laughs> yes you do okay so my next question uh i'll go to this one here myself and my partner want to start trying for a baby soon what should i be eating or perhaps supplementing with to help it happen oh massive question um so it depends assuming everything is is okay and that there's nothing wrong in, in their diets i would say a, a mediterranean diet is the easiest place to start yeah. um lots of color so you're getting lots of polyphenols and vitamins and minerals in your plants um balanced amount of protein with your meals so you know whether it's fish a couple of times a week meat a couple of times a week a lot of good wide variety of mediterranean diet lots of good fats obviously Brilliant. as well and uh, lots of supplements you could take but you need to consider if they need them or not so i'd start with going into your local health food shop and get a good quality prenatal for both because it takes two to tango so there's no point not in that. just the woman thinking it's her responsibility let's it's give not. men more responsibility please yes, boys they need <laughs> it and like there's lots that even from a lifestyle perspective um it's so much bigger like if you're not getting enough sleep the perfect diet is never going to be good enough if you're stressed off your head there's no baby coming into your life so yeah. just you know, it's very easy for me to say don't be stressed, but stress management might be the biggest challenge that you need to... Yeah, and again, realising that all of this you don't have to do alone. No. That's, that's why there's coaches and nutritional yeah. therapists out there. Yeah. My next question for you, Linda, and this is something that I too suffer with sometimes, anything that one could eat to help with migraines? Oh, migraines are a nightmare. I'm a former sufferer myself. Uh, it's actually the first thing I would talk about would be supplement. Um, So obviously trying to stabilize your your diet make sure that your blood glucose is balanced so you're eating regularly during yes. the day you're well hydrated you have protein with every meal and fat and uh, meal and snack if you're having snacks mm-hmm. you're not grazing all day it's kind of back to some of the fundamentals but from a supplement perspective the very first one i would talk about would be magnesium so magnesium is nature's tranquilizer it is used for every 350 biochemical reactions in your body and its job is to relax your muscles but if you're suffering from a lot of headaches and migraines magnesium definitely can help it's not going to help you while you have the migraine but if you're taking it on a regular basis if you have a magnesium deficiency it will make your migraines way worse a question with supplementing magnesium i rather taking the powder in like a nighttime tea yeah would you recommend a powder over a capsule it depends on what you like um It's a personal preference. What I would say is you have to be careful of the type of magnesium you take in that the form it's in. If you take a magnesium citrate, which is widely available, if you take too much, you will end up with very loose stools. If you take magnesium glycinate, it's really well tolerated and you'll absorb more so your body will get more. So... It depends on what you're using it for, okay, but the, the way you take it, I don't. I have to get up and dissolve, boil a kettle to dissolve my nighttime magnesium. I won't get up and do it. I'm lazy. Other people swear by it, so yeah. it absolutely is. It's whatever floats yeah, about, box your socks, as they say. Yeah, this one I think might be kind of a quick one for you, Linda. Should we be taking vitamin D in the summer months? It depends. So technically, from Easter to Halloween, we shouldn't need it, but. 
if you're working inside, don't go out into the sun. Or if you've got older family relatives that are in a nursing home or don't go out, they're definitely at higher risk. I would, in an ideal world, we should all be getting tested, right? If we got tested twice a year, it'd be great. But I do realise that it's not as easy to do as I would like. Yeah. And if you're testing, then you know exactly what to uh, take and for how long. Yeah. Um, because we don't want people to overdose on it. But I, I do think if you're not getting out and getting at least 15 minutes of good sunshine on a daily basis for the summer, you could take it. Just don't take high doses. 400 IU, I think, is the... 400 IU. Okay. Is, the, is the daily recommended amount and you could take higher for the winter if you need it. Yes. If you've been sick, if your immune system is under pressure, you might need a little yeah, bit more. Yeah, because there was a lot that came out about vitamin D kind of in the early months of COVID as yeah. well and how that can help because yeah. obviously it supports your immune system as 85% well. 85% of people in hospital in Barcelona in March 2020 were vitamin D deficient. In Barcelona? That makes Imagine. you think, doesn't it? God, then what state are we in? <laughs> and like... Tilda, there's a report after coming out of Trinity that did five years of study on vitamin D in Ireland and the numbers, I can't remember the exact numbers mm-hmm. now, but I think it could be up to one in four people in Ireland are deficient. One in four. Like massive a Huge numbers. amount of the population. Yeah, massive. Um, jumping on to a question that I think a lot of ladies will find really helpful. Uh, this one said, I struggle with horrendous PMS. The fatigue the week before my period, during and also around ovulation is debilitating. Yeah. What can I do? Um, for pain, magnesium is another great one. Superstar um, supplement. Yeah, it's, it really is. Like a, Now, the one thing, a caveat with all supplements, please do not take a supplement if you're on medication without checking that there's no contraindications. Yes. And if somebody is recommending supplements to you without checking that you're on medication, please, you know. Can I jump in quickly there and say magnesium, we've obviously mentioned a few times, and magnesium-rich food sources, Linda. And nuts and seeds, green leafy vegetables are probably the best ones. Um, But even if you have a bath and you throw some Epsom salts, there's going to be some magnesium in there as well. Um, But if you have headaches, if you have PMS, if you're, you know, if you have any aches and pains, if you have muscle cramps, taking a a not a high dose of magnesium probably should be okay. And again, back to all those pieces of the puzzle. Like look at your stress, look at your diet overall, your hydration, all of this is going to have a part to play. With, With PMS, there's a lot you can do but you kind of have to look at your hormones in in general and it starts with blood sugar balance every hormone in your body is connected so you need to look at them all so you start with your insulin and your cortisol so your stress levels are exactly pulled in there and then all of your sex hormones over the course of the month to see what's going on with those so there's there's lots and lots you can do not really answerable in in a minute like that it's it's so hard to answer these questions because they are so I suppose the one thing I will say to people is if you have PMS, absolutely your diet will be helping or hindering. So there's a lot you can do to help. If your diet is poor, it can only hinder. Okay, Linda, I'm going to move on to what may be our last question. And I think it's probably a really good one to leave it on because a lot of the population may need to hear it. Can stress affect nutrient absorption? If so, to what degree? Hugely. So the line I will use all of the time is you could be eating the perfect diet in commas, whatever yeah. that is. And if you're stressed, it may not be enough. It will Stress will affect the ability of your digestive system to absorb your food. Plus, stress will put a higher demand on your body for nutrients. So if you're stressed, you need to get a balance across the whole things. If you're, I would always say to people, if your diet is fairly okay, now, some people will tell me their diet is fairly okay and I will find plenty of gaps that we can plug, right? But if your diet is fairly okay but you're very stressed and you're not sleeping, 
your fairly okay diet might be good enough and it might be sleep and stress we're working on. Now, your yeah. diet will impact your sleep and stress. So it's all it's all, all one connected. big picture. Yeah. Um, but definitely stress is can be detrimental to your health. Linda, you're incredible at how you put things out there. Like your message is just so clear. I think you will have helped so many people listening Glad. today, um, especially with realizing that maybe stress could be the problem or that their diet isn't the problem. It could be sleep. It could be another aspect of their life. But you are a fountain of knowledge. And if someone wants to get in contact with you for help or to see you in the clinic, what is the best way that they can do so? They can contact us through our website or info at Bioga Nutrition, or they can contact us through either of our social media channels on Facebook or Instagram. Jenny or myself are online most of the time, I won't say all of the time, most Because you time. have to de-stress, you know, it can't have be all the time. Have to de-stress, how to de-stress. Well, I will definitely be uh, sharing your handles on my social media Thank afterwards. You Linda, it's been a pleasure to have you in studio. Thanks for having me here, it was great. Hopefully we'll have you back sometime soon. Thank you. Guys, we're going to go to one of my favourite new songs at the moment, and this is by the one and only George Ezra. It's called Anyone For You.
up those misconceptions. The Power Hour One Minute Myth Bust. Hello and welcome back everybody. I do hope you are enjoying this show as much as I am. So this week's myth that we are going to bust. Statement, the calorie burn on machines is accurate. The truth, do not count on it. You can guess this from the way I opened the show and the question that I answered about wearing a wrist-based um, Harry technology. When it comes to the machines, I know so many of you are probably members in a gym. You hop on the machine, you think I'll burn X number of calories and then I'm out the door and then you go home and eat X number of calories and it's not the way we want to treat health and fitness and diet. So some studies on even the newer types of machines have shown as much as 70% of a um, wrong reading when it comes to the caloric burn at the end of your workout. Now, some machines, particularly bikes and treadmills, you can enter your age and your weight on. Generally, they should give a fairly precise reading. But you're better off using the calorie burn stated as just kind of a barometer of your progress, guys, and nothing more. My own experience has found it to be off by 100 to even 200 when I wear the chest strap. So on the machine, look at it this way. If the count goes up during the same workout for the same duration, you're working harder and getting fitter. But let's not get too caught up on the calories and focus a little bit more on how we feel. Okay, and now moving on to my favorite next segment. The Power Hour Fitness Funny. Okay, am I ready to make a fool of myself again like I did last week? I think I am. Are you ready for the best cringe fitness jokes? Number one. I'm looking at Ashling across the studio here and I'm hoping she guesses this one. Why doesn't the fisherman go to the gym? He pulled a muscle, but I'm from a... Okay, okay, this next one. This is a good one. Which cereal puts in the most time at the gym? Go on, and I know it. No, no, we've got nothing. Shredded wheat, ladies and gents. Shredded wheat. Okay, some of you that might be a little bit more into pop music, rap music. What's the name of Cardi B's super fit gym focus sister? Cardi O. (laughs) Okay, and then this one again. I love. What muscles do chickens love to work on in the gym, Ashley? Ah, come on. No idea. They're pecs. I absolutely love it. Oh, here, I have one more for you. One more, one more. What's it called when a rapper goes to the gym for 20 minutes? (laughs) A little pump. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, guys, we are coming towards the end almost of another Power Hour and it has been such a quick show. At the end of every single show, I give you a cheer challenge that I want you to take on for the week to hopefully improve your mood. Last week, it was do five minutes of yoga. I hope you did so. And this week, it is to try a new herbal tea. So this is one that I have to take on board myself because I have been drinking too much caffeine and I know this. So today I swapped for decaf, but let's try go for herbal tea. So maybe a green tea, a lemon and ginger, maybe chamomile or peppermint is fantastic for digestion. Chamomile can really help you relax before bed. There are plenty of varying benefits to be gotten from 
all the different herbal teas out there. So let's try and make it a priority as your cheer challenge from the Power Hour this week to get even one cup of a new herbal tea into your routine, into your diet. And let me just say before I go, if any of you are going to Wellfest this weekend up in Dublin in Kilmainham, I will be there all weekend. I'm teaching on the Saturday and Sunday and I cannot wait. It's like Christmas Day for all us wellness enthusiasts. So do make sure you um, pop onto my Instagram and see where I'm going to be for the day and say hello. And then also best of luck to anyone who is taking part in Darkness Into Light around the country tomorrow morning. I do hope, or I should say on Saturday morning, I do hope it's going to be a beautiful, clear morning and that everyone catches the most spectacular of sunrise. My favourite time of the day to go for a hike or to do my workouts. I want to say a big thank you to Ashing for helping me in studio today and of course for Linda Murray who came in from Bioga Nutrition. You can find all of the details on my Instagram about Bioga as well. You have Own Kiri coming up next on Fully Loaded, one of my favourite shows to listen to on my drive home back to Carlo. I will be back here with you next week and on next week's show I have a very very special guest coming in and we will be speaking all about what she calls her invisible illness and it's one that it's honestly scared me quite often um, the amount of young girls and young boys that I've come across getting diagnosed with this condition across the country when it is quite debilitating. So next week make sure to tune in for our power hour here at 6pm on KCLR it has been an absolute pleasure as always it was Natalie Lennon with you I will talk to you next week